It's that feeling when the energy in the room shifts, when the air gets sucked out of a moment and everything starts to feel wrong. It's the instinct between fight or flight. When your brain is trying to make sense of what it's seeing, it's when your heart starts pounding. pounding. Welcome to Heart Starts Pounding, a podcast of terrifying tales. I'm your host, Kaylin Moore. I think it's safe to say that most of us were taught that the difference between life and death is pretty black and white. In theory, when you're alive, you're not interacting with people who have passed away. And when you're dead, you're also not interacting with people who are still alive. But imagine for a moment that instead of a concrete wall that separates the two states, there was more of a veil. And the closer you were to that veil, either the closer you were to death or the closer you were to having just died, the thinner that veil was. Today's episode is going to be a touch macabre. We're talking about dying, or at least we're talking about the unexplainable things that happen leading up to someone's death and then at the moment of someone's death. I'm going to read you some stories from people that experienced supernatural things the moment someone died. And then we're going to hear from two people who have worked in hospice on a particularly strange phenomenon that happens leading up to someone's death. And to help me tell these stories, I've brought back my sibling and lover of the macabre, Leo. Leo, welcome to the pod. Welcome for having me back. (laughs) Okay. So are you ready to hear some scary stories about the moments between life and death? I guess. You don't seem so sure. I mean, they're scary, so you always gotta mentally prepare yourself. But it is the middle of the day and the lights are on, so I think I think I'll be okay. That's true. Have you heard any scary stories about like the moment that someone dies before? I mean, there's always, you know, those stories of like, oh, when someone passes and you like see the lights flicker or you know you're you like hear the death rattle when they inevitably pass but i don't know if i've heard of any like things specific yeah okay well i have some stories today of like specific things that happened around that moment and um i'm gonna read you some stories and then i'm gonna share with you some interviews that i did so let's get into it The other day I was browsing Reddit when I came across a post from someone who worked overnight in a nursing home and had experienced some supernatural things. This was a post from user Spiny Fevers. Hey y'all, I've worked overnight at a nursing home for about three years now. During my time here, we've probably had 60 plus people pass. I've noticed that sometimes when certain quote, strong-willed, end quote, people pass, there is some sort of electrical disturbance that happens. I used to think it was just a coincidence, but it's happened like eight plus times since I've been working overnight. It can last up to two weeks after someone passes. Some examples. One lady passed at around 9 p.m. There was a door that leads outside two doors down from her room. 
That door is always locked and requires a number combo to unlock. The door's silent alarm tipped at 11.30 p.m. The door alarms only go off if someone opens it. After 10, it's just overnight crew and we stick together. We checked it out and there was no one there. It happened two more times a few days apart. A man passed near the front of the building. The silent alarm from the front door went off every night at around 2 a.m. It happened for about a week and then it stopped. One lady passed at 12. We were watching TV and all of a sudden it felt like a shockwave passed through the building. The lights in the TV area flickered off and on for a quick second. The TV turned off and then turned back on. I joked that maybe that lady had passed. We checked on her and she had just passed. Her body was still warm. Her neighbor's TV had also turned on and was just a static channel. Each room has a button on the wall that sends an alarm to the caregivers. We have those go off multiple times in rooms where people have recently passed. Always freaks us out when it happens. To this day, I haven't, quote, seen anything, but too many electrical disturbances happen close to someone's passing for it to be a coincidence. Has anyone else experienced any stuff like this? So what does your gut say that something like that is? Ghosts, obviously. Yeah. Because, like, you know, when people go ghost hunting, they bring spirit boxes and all this electrical equipment because apparently when there's a ghost present, like, the electromagnetic field is disturbed or is altered or or somehow. So the fact that there's, like, the silent alarm tripping, I'm not surprised. Like, someone's trying to leave. They're probably, like... Okay, well, I'm I'm done here. I gotta go. I gotta, go. I gotta get out. So and they're still trying to like use the exits in the appropriate yeah, way. At yeah. least they're being nice about it and not like breaking through a window. That's a very good point. And having the lights flicker on and off—that's like a telltale sign that there's something extra there with you. You know, definitely. So the comment section under this post were also full of stories of other people experiencing weird stuff. One user wrote, "I can believe this." When my dad died, my nan was sat with him and about 30 minutes after his death, she said, off you go, Mick, go be with your dad. Parentheses, my granddad, which is his dad, had died a year prior. Suddenly, all the lights went off. They then lit brighter than they had ever done and then went off and came back on normally. It was the eeriest feeling I've ever had and I'm sure I felt him leave his body. So that ties back into the thing that we were just talking about before with the the lights flickering and like the moment of death. So another comment said, my dad's father was super into his Cadillac. So when he passed, my dad took the emblem off it as a keepsake. Well, it was in the garage in a box and all night long, the lights in the garage flickered on and off. My mom got creeped out. So my dad put the emblem out on the back deck and all that second night, the motion lights went on and off. My dad decided it was too creepy, so he gave it to my sister to throw in the river. She worked near it. All the way to work, my sister said that her radio kept coming on static and her engine lights went on and off. She told her coworkers about it and they wanted to see it, so she brought it in and then the weird flickering lights started happening in the office. They all thought, nope. And then her and most of the office went down to the river and threw in the emblem. You have to understand that my dad's father was not a nice guy. 
He was extremely abusive to his children. You could almost say there was an evilness to him, which is why they threw it into running water. I was going to say, why would you take a keepsake to remember your parent and then be like, just kidding, going to throw this in the river. <laughs> going to chuck it in the river. Also, what happened to the rest of the car? Like, if I you know have the emblem. That's a good point. If just the emblem is doing this, then what is the rest of the, the car? car? Like, who's the 16-year-old yeah. who, like, their dad was like, hey, I bought you a car at what, an estate sale. What's the story of, like, the car that becomes possessed? Maybe that... that oh, might... yeah, Herbie fully loaded. No. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's, like, the radio is acting weird and, like... yeah. I'm not so like I think that happened in Supernatural to be honest yeah well that's the thing with you know the readers were like tuned you know the ghost readers where it's like tuning through the radio mm -hmm. stations and whatever like like, the spirit box the spirit spirit box yeah where it's tuning and then you can hear words that pop Mm -hmm. out during like certain stations it's that electromagnetic field again you know they use it to try and contact us absolutely so yeah I guess uh I can see where that would be like happening in the car So then the original user followed up with this story. Something weird happened to me recently. At around 3 a.m., we had a lady on the second floor call and say that a black-haired woman had come into her room and tried to wake her up. I was a bit creeped out, but thought nothing of it because we have residents who sometimes hallucinate. Then, about an hour later, another lady calls, this time from the first floor, She says the same thing about a black-haired lady coming into her room and waking her up. The second lady had never shown signs of hallucinations before, so this time I got really creeped out. I went to check all the exits and make sure they were shut and everything was fine. Thankfully, we had no more calls that night. So the hallucinations bit I actually have heard about before. And another user had another story about patients who see things. I used to work overnight at three different homes, and yes, all types of happenings. From little children running around above us to elevators going up and down all night by themselves. Residents would ring the call bell and ask me to tell the children to stop throwing balls around the halls. Hell no. Yeah, no, immediately no. I'm quitting my job. I'm going back to school to learn a new profession. I'm gonna start a new trade. Absolutely not. Gonna take up computer science. I could never work an overnight job. There was a room called the tea room by an elevator, and that's where you would make out little apparitions of small humans and they would just giggle. I was in the dementia ward one night alone and my patient who had aphasia was trying to communicate something to me. Finally, she started to shake and just pointed behind me. She had tears in her eyes and was visibly shaken to her core. I didn't go back after that experience. That was the last encounter at that job that I could mentally handle. We had to clock in and out in the basement alone. Our lunch break was at 3 a.m. and I had to walk by a kitchen. That night, before the incident in the dementia ward, I heard a clang and bang. And when I walked to the other side of the hall from where the kitchen was located, I turned around and there was a silver butter knife just laying in the middle of the main walkway. I was done after those two encounters happening in the same night. Being terrified to simply go to work on a daily basis was taking an absolute mental toll on myself. I did work at another place where we had a resident cat who was not very social. He would get attracted to certain residents out of nowhere and within three days that person would pass away. It happened a few times and it was always the case, they always passed. 
I've since gotten into ophthalmology and only day shifts after all those years of doing overnight resident care. I loved the job in my residence, but not so much the extra nightly visitors that came along with the job. I wonder if the people who were building the nursing home where that person worked sat down and said, hmm, okay, so this is going to be a nursing home where lots of people are going to pass away and we're going to need overnight shifts. Where is the absolute worst place we can put <laughs> the machine to clock in and out? Yeah. Oh, the basement. In the basement next to the knives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is cla- absolutely perfect place. Absolutely. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing will go wrong. I wonder, that would be an interesting episode to do too, is like people who have to leave jobs because of hauntings. Because you you can't take sick time and claim hauntings. You can't take like family medical leave because your place of work is haunted and you can't work there. So there's in, not really benefits to protect you. In that two-week resignation letter, just like too many ghosts, gotta go. At my first job working at a grocery store, like one time we had to use the like basement clocking in system oh at the yeah in yeah. the grocery store at, at the, the basement. grocery store Ugh. that hell no basements should not exist because they are terrifying I, yeah basements of grocery stores that have been around since the 50s should not exist because that there was something living down there and i was not gonna find out why yeah someone has to go down and feed like the leftover meat at night to like the monster below the grocery store i hate that so this got me thinking because part of me was like you know every time you see posts like this you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt because people that have these extraordinary experiences like they're the ones going to the internet to write them down yeah so i didn't know if this was like a really rare thing that happened where a bunch of people just found each other and were all sharing their experiences or if this was a common occurrence so i wanted to check in with someone i knew who worked with dying patients to see if it was also something that happened to them so i reached out to katrina hell yeah who is our one of my childhood best friends also our neighbor from the time that leo was born and she's a nurse and katrina had kind of a crazy story more after the break so after reading these stories I reached out to my friend Katrina, who works in pediatric oncology, and she's dealt with many patients dying. I wanted to see if she had ever experienced anything strange. Her answer was an emphatic yes. Not only has she dealt with the unexplainable, but she said it's basically par for the course amongst the nurses she knows. She did say that there was one experience she had that really stuck out to her. For the first three years that I was a pediatric chemonc nurse, I was on an inpatient side. And we would have people that are actively getting chemo, actively sick, and then kids that were um, on palliative care or hospice, um, where their treatment was more to provide comfort, um, provide good days, um, and help them through the dying process. Um, A lot of times they would have primary nurses, so that You know, you didn't have to explain everything that was going on. Um, You knew the family, you had a rapport with the family. Um, And so I've been primary nurse for a few children that are going through this process um, and the nurse to the family. I was primary to um, a a little boy um, who 
love Spider-Man after he got his Halloween costume and it was Spider-Man with all of his muscles and he wore it all the time after Halloween. Um, always wanted to be dressed in it. Um, would go around the hallways in Spider-Man. He was between the ages of like four and five. I think that he was he was in active treatment for about like a year, I want to say. Undergoing cancer treatments? Yes, so okay. um, curative cancer treatments probably for the first six to eight months. Um, and there was never a point where he was unfortunately able to transition to hospice or palliative. It happened pretty suddenly. We weren't able to really prepare him or prepare his family, prepare ourselves. We were yeah. all hoping for a pull through and a come through. And unfortunately, um, it just wasn't able to happen. It's It still feels really, really hard that that was the outcome. I think that he was like, like people talk, I hate when people say the, the terms like losing and winning and all of that, but yeah, like he was just such a fighter. Uh, a few months had passed um, and that death really affected everyone on the floor. We all loved the family. We all loved this patient. Um, and another patient was actively dying um, uh, across the ways that was just recently diagnosed. And there was absolutely no crossover between the times that they were being treated. It was probably like six months after. So it was more of a teenager, probably between 17 and like 19, 20 maybe. This patient had been on the floor for a long time, actively dying. and he kept talking about a little boy who loves Spider-Man and was just talking, having a full conversation with um, a little boy who loves Spider-Man and was talking about Marvel and all the superheroes. Oh my and God. another nurse heard him talking about this and was like, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? Um, and he's like, oh, I mean, what a little dude to love Spider-Man and was like, you know, talking like it, he was right there in the room. Um, and that was when we all were like, there was absolutely no crossover between the two. Who was the one that kind of pieced it together? So it was, it was another nurse who, um, was primary to that patient and really didn't take care of, uh, my primary that passed like six, eight months before this patient. Well, she pulled me aside and told me about it because she knew how close I was with the family and how much it affected me. Yeah. Um, and it happened on that night and I got really emotional when she told me and I like started like laughing and crying and I mean we we all were just kind of amazed and we're like flabbergasted that that came out because again I mean we've been there for deaths but those kinds of things when it happens it's like oh my gosh like they are still with us they are still here yeah um, yeah. And the fact that this little Spider-Man kid is coming in to to like comfort someone who is going through something like that, like that was also kind of like a, of course he's in like he's talking to them, like and of course 
this patient that's now in our care and actively dying is, you know, like having these funny conversations with him. Like it was just very like their personalities. Yeah. If we had met, they would have, they would have connected so much. It would have been like an older brother, big brother kind of a thing. Yeah. And so that's what it's wild to like, not in on this plane or this, these two planes almost kind of connecting because they just were meant to. So that just blew my mind when she told me that. The fact that I, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, this has been happening to some nurses. Is this a rare thing? And she's like, oh, no, me and all my friends have these stories was crazy to me. My heart is breaking right now. So I'm like trying to process. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I know. That's one thing. I don't know if I've said this before on this podcast, but like when I started making this podcast, I thought I would always I would feel really scared like people would tell me stories and I would feel afraid and I would get the chills down my spine I didn't know how much I would cry just the sadness yeah of like oh this little boy passed away and now he's like assisting other like teenagers and young people who are also passing away I know you're making me cry now it just like especially because it's just really upsetting it's is it upsetting or is it kind of comforting i mean to me it's upsetting because i'm not in the situation but i feel like if i were you know that young boy who was having conversations with him i'd probably feel some sense of comfort just because it's like you know you're not alone and like yeah Yeah. you have this amazing team of nurses helping you but no one they don't know how you feel. They don't, they're not right. experiencing everything. Like, yeah. Knowing that you're going to pass and like preparing to do so is such like a scary thing. Like, yeah. that is a different kind of scariness um, that I think that you don't know how to like prepare someone for it until it happens. And so to have like, the spirit of someone who has gone through it be yeah. there for you you there has to be some sort of comfort that like your your care team just can't give you yeah and they had never crossed paths there was no way for that 17 year old boy to know that that little yeah. boy existed but knowing i also love that the little boy still just wanted to talk about oh, spider-man, Spider-Man. <laughs> kids are kids yeah here's the thing nothing is gonna change who, he was still just like what kids are have you seen this movie have yeah. you seen this marvel movie like i, I love, love that spider-man yeah and it's like that stuck with him yeah that that gave him comfort and he's gonna use that to give others comfort so what katrina described the child doing is in the hospice world is known as visioning so it's when people who are about to die see other people usually typically it's people who they know but for children they might not know a lot of people who have died so in this case it was someone that they didn't know Um, but these people are people who have already passed away and it's so common in hospice that nurses have to explain to family members that they shouldn't be afraid when their dying loved one says that they saw their deceased mother or someone coming to have a conversation with them. And the reason that I know what any of this is is because I follow hospice nurse Julie on TikTok. Yeah. 
Um, and she's a hospice nurse on TikTok who's dedicated to teaching people about the dying process. So I called her and I wanted to hear in her words what visioning was. My name is Julie. I'm a nurse. I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for about 15 years. Uh, most of those years were in the ICU, which is critical care, which is what led me to hospice because it was sort of, I just started getting a passion about being able to talk honestly about death and dying and what was really happening. That led me to hospice. And then I've been in hospice probably for the past six years. One part of the process that I wanted to ask you about is visioning. In general, visioning, which we actually use as healthcare workers as kind of like a timeline, because it's usually about a month to a few weeks before someone dies. So when someone starts talking to us about seeing their dead relatives or loved ones or a cousin or their pets, whatever, it's usually about a month to a few weeks out. <laughs> visioning is always comforting. And usually they know who they're talking to. They know who's there. It makes them feel better. They're laughing, talking, having a good time, sometimes almost ignoring you. Like I've seen a lot of videos and a lot of patients where their like daughters trying to be like, mom, hello, like, what are you doing? What are you talking? And they will not talk to the person who's actually there, but they're really fixated on talking to the person who we can't see and laughing yeah. and talking and having a good old time. So that's good to know that it's always like comforting yeah. too. It's always something reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen yeah. negative, but it's mostly, I mean, it's mostly family members or friends, but um, yeah. sometimes it's angels and things like that. Um, hmm. I don't know what it is. I personally do think, I do personally think that there's an afterlife and they really are yeah. seeing loved ones and pets. And there's just, mo there's just so much we don't understand about life and about death. Um, I, yeah. what I can tell you, I can tell you all the things it's not, you know, people always think they're low on oxygen. So their brain's not getting enough oxygen. So they're seeing things that's not true. That's not, that's, that's like, for sure, not true. These people are yeah. not at that process yet. They still have normal oxygen levels. They're not short of breath. They're still alert and oriented. It's not oxygen. It's not low oxygen. Uh, people will say it's a burst of DMT, maybe, but that's not usually when the burst. We don't even know if the burst of like the burst of DMT thing is not actually proven anyway. So it could be that, but mm. also when it's happening, usually. It's not on like the deathbed, as people think. Um, I don't necessarily think it's something biological. I think it's, um, I think we are connected to a place that we forget about because we're yeah. during this life. Um, and I think that place is, you know, like the afterlife or home, or I think when we die, we go to a place we've always known. Right. Like even more than we yeah. are more like it's more familiar to us than this place that we call home now. Um, mm. But again, like I know enough to know I don't know. So, yeah, the reason I wanted to ask her about this was because I wanted to get like the medical world's professional opinion on this thing that happens to so many people. And even hospice nurse Julie is like it feels slightly supernatural like it's not something that they can explain but it's not biological because they're measuring people's vitals and they know that they're not just hallucinating or getting that hit of DMT or losing a bunch of oxygen and seeing things like it is something that is unexplainable yeah and you know when you lose someone there and either you just lost them or 
you lost them years ago when you're about to pass on to the other side they're probably there to help you cross over yeah a lot of people apparently talk about like seeing their mothers or parents you know that have passed away and then because i had her on a call i did ask about the spookiest thing that she experienced working (laughs) in hospice and she also had a story of something she experienced so there was a woman who went on a hospice. Um, she had a son who had some um, like uh, uh, mental challenges. So he was, you know, like uh, she was caring for her son. And then she had this caregiver that lived in with her as well, who cared for her and the son. And she almost didn't make it on hospice. That's how not sick she was. I mean, she was sick, but like it was a chronic illness that like was kind of coming and going and We got her on service Mm -hmm. to help her out, but we kind of figured she would come off service eventually, maybe come back on later. So yeah, I admitted her onto service and like, didn't really think anything of it. And about a week later, um, we got a call to go do a death visit and it was for her. And I was like, what the heck? This lady died? And I went to the house and I saw the caregiver and we were both kind of like, I, I was kind of like, what happened? You know, she was like, Julie, it was the craziest thing. We were making blueberry muffins or something the night before, like we always do on Sundays, whatever she said. And afterwards, she went to bed and she called me in and she was acting really sentimental and saying like, thank you so much for caring for me. I love you. Um, Promise me you'll care for so-and-so, her son, Um, you know. And the woman was like, of course, what are you talking about? Why are you talking like this? Of course, I'll care for so-and-so. Like, I love you guys. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And she was like, uh, okay, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for me. Just saying like all these sentimental things. And then she was like, call my son in and she had her call her son in and she was like whispering to him and saying all these nice things. And he was like, okay, you know, good night, mom, whatever. And she was like, why are you acting like this? And she was like, listen, I'm really tired. I'm going home. I've had enough. Like, thank you for all you've done. And like, um, I think she actually like left her, her house and everything. Like it was already prepared where like this woman was going to basically be there and help her until wow. whenever, right? Um, and help her son. And so she kept just saying, like, thank you and promise me you'll always be here. Da, 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 da. And she was just sort of like, would you stop? Eventually she was just sort of like, would you stop? Okay, good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, and then she died that night. And she woke up the next morning and she was dead in the bed. Wow. And the first thing I always think, because I'm like still skeptical, is like, did she take something? What was this? You know? And, yeah, of course. And that wasn't yeah. even in the house. That wasn't even a thing like that could have been done. It was like this lady just knew. She kept saying, I'm tired. I'm going tonight. I've had enough. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I've lived a good life. Thank you so much for everything. And sure enough, she was wow. dead the next day. Like, no explanation. Wow. It feels undeniable that there is something supernatural at play here. And even though this episode is morbid, I also hope that it's a bit comforting. Maybe there is a conversation happening across the veil of life and death. And maybe those most tuned into that conversation are the people standing closest on either side. Maybe we won't really know until it's us. This has been Heart Starts Pounding. I'm your host, Kaylin Moore. Thank you so much to Julie and Katrina for speaking with me for this episode. You can follow Julie on TikTok at Hospice Nurse Julie, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Heart Starts Pounding. Have a heart pounding tale you'd like to share on the podcast? Email heartstartspounding at gmail.com. This episode was written and recorded by me, 
Kayla Moore, music by Artlist. Until next time, woo.